touch tones are your cue to give us a call on our straight talk segment here on Real Presence Live. 877-795-0122 is that toll-free number. We would love to be able to visit with you uh, directly on the air. You can also leave your message on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. A lot of things going on uh, this time here with people uh, getting ready for making that transition from summer mode into school mode. Um, uh, a lot of schools have had our first day of school throughout uh, the area, and um, high school football in North Dakota begins tomorrow evening. Right. So uh, there are a lot of things coming up here. Uh, we have a bunch of other things to talk about as well. Um, one of the things that uh, you had mentioned to me just before we came on the air, Father, that I'm really looking forward to, to visiting about a little bit here, a few days ago, uh, Pope Francis concluded the uh, World Youth Day celebration in Lisbon, Portugal, which uh, had been on deck for a while and had been postponed a little bit in order to uh, set the uh, COVID pandemic uh, behind us more in the rearview mirror, uh, etc. There will be another gathering of youth as part of the Jubilee year in 2025, and then the next official World Youth Day event will be in Seoul, South Korea in 2027. But uh, we were thinking about how, especially having just celebrated the Solemnity of the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother into Heaven on the 15th of August, that that was this year the 30th anniversary of Pope St. John Paul II's concluding World Youth Day in Denver, an event that uh, both of us as much younger selves uh, had participated in and uh, that we have great memories of. You know, and I think, like, as we're sitting here now as, uh, you know, in our 50s and looking back and I think, okay, I, I, I think of you, I think of myself, I think of Father Kirk Gunwall, I think... Um, my association with the Bethlehem community, all the members of the community. I mean, I can start going and down, I could continue on naming people by name who were all there. It directly impacted us, our relationship with Christ, and our future vocations dramatically. Yes. And it, it, it was a, I won't say it was the thing that gave us our vocations, but it, it was the thing that definitely put fuel on the fire and mm -hmm. got us, you know, mm -hmm. going and thinking. And not, I don't mean just we as priests, you know, but other vocations like to marriage and to also consecrated life and uh, commitment to fall so and i remember if you remember the kind of the scuttlebutt around it it was like there was kind of this poo-pooing going on like oh this thing's going to be a dud the, the young people aren't going to show up at denver and i think what, what was the number they planned for and then the actual number showed up because we experienced the lack of food, the lack of bathrooms, the lack of right, all that. Right, right. I, I don't know the initial projections, but I believe it was somewhere in the neighborhood of six to 700,000 people that on the up. Cherry Creek State Park site for the vigil and the mass to conclude. And, and I think it was, I mean, at the most, they were, I think it was under 100,000 that, wow, that they were okay. preparing for. And, and so there was this kind of mass casualty of not enough food, not enough water, not enough bathrooms and things. And But I would say they ended up being wonderful problems in the sense that it really, it was all part of that fervor. Do, do you remember, I mean, a couple, came, like when they had the youth event the, the day before, two days before, where he, he arrives in Denver, and there was a flyover with the helicopter, and he came into the stadium. Mm -hmm. But then also the whole pilgrimage out to Cherry Creek, which was exhausting, and then yeah. there were exhausted, and then he, the night before, he flew over in the helicopter, I don't know if you remember that, mm -hmm. and like just the, the, the the, the absolute the groundswell of energy. Energy that just, yeah. and, it, and it lasted all night. People yeah. were dancing and singing all night. And then the, mm -hmm. I, I think one of the things on the difficult side, so he's now Father Kurt Gunwall, but he was the youth director for the diocese at the time. Right. He was Kurt Gunwall. Mm -hmm. He ended up making, what, two or three trips back to Denver because a lot of our 
to pick up people who were brought to hospitals because of dehydration and dehydration things like that. Things like yeah, that. yeah and, and of course it's a the, it was one of the uh, earliest versions of a mobile phone, so it's not like everybody had one of these things. So if you're waiting on a particular bus, you all you can basically do is wait for the people who haven't shown up yet to show up because it, you're not going to take off. And then, well, what if they come back? And then where are you? And yeah. how, um, do you remember how many buses left for the diocese? Was it an organized trip? Yeah, There's, I believe so, there were 13 buses. There's 13 so buses. So people in our diocese. So I was I was involved. One we were and we were the buses were all in a line. We're heading down to Denver. We took stopped Spearfish. We took in the Passion Play. But the next day, when we were in the Rockies, we're coming down with the mountains, and one of our buses, the the brakes failed, and they did did this incredible thing where the bus in front slowed down and caught the one without the brakes and let it down the entire side of the mountain or been so that it wasn't running run away on and and i i look at things like that there there's all these like talk about little miracles little little things that happen there but uh, Mm -hmm. and again but just that um even my my presence there now you were in seminary at the time yes year, i think a year before i was um, two years was yeah it, well i was finishing my second i was in between my second and third years of college seminary so yes. my presence there was a miracle because i'd i'd come i'd been living on in the west coast with my own business i came back for a wedding and it was the day after the wedding father ackerman a priest oh. of our diocese had it we're sitting there at breakfast and he turns over his cousin is there her name's patty amundsen and she says Oh, we're in trouble. We're leaving for this uh, trip down to Denver. Take these uh, these 27 high school students who are going down. Our chaperone got sick, can't go. We don't know what we're going to do. We're stuck. And Father Phil turns her and says, "Oh, well, here's here's Jason. He's not doing anything. He could go be the chaperone for you." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm not doing anything. I'd do it." And she and she looked like, "Who is this guy? Why would I trust him?" Kind of thing. And like just that in itself was a, a miraculous like I, that I was even there. I wasn't planning on doing it. I didn't know anything about it. And then the stadium is gone now. The Denver Broncos. The old Mile stadium. High Stadium, yeah, it's been replaced. In, if you remember, in, every day in the South Bleachers, they would have all these priests scattered, and the, and the the young For people would just flow up there to go to confession. I ended up going, making a confession there in those those South Bleachers, which I'd say transformed my life. It was oh. like you know how like in your, you can go to confession and do it regularly, but then you somehow like at that moment with the grace water, I can't explain it. Yeah. It but it was this moment where it was different. Mm-hmm. Everything was different. Moving forward from that confession, moving forward, everything was different, and that was. Because I had actually applied to seminary, and then I chickened out and said no, and that's why I was on the West Coast. And and after that, I said, okay, you know what? I think I have the grace to actually show up this time. <laughs> and that was we got back from the trip, and seminary started mm-hmm. right after that. And yeah. yep, and here we are. Yeah, just a, a tremendous experience. And, you know, it fits within something that at least we in our generation have become accustomed to, but it was a very novel idea that the Vicar of Christ, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope would actually come to your locality and be there to, to pray with you and to encourage you. Pope St. John Paul II, you know, one of the things that will forever be remembered about him is how he brought the office of the chair of Peter to so many different countries and parts of the world um, so that people who wouldn't have any realistic hope of coming to the Vatican or to Italy were able to encounter him in that way. And still, it was about 15 years into his pontificate. He was aging, but still very vigorous, you know, like as he had been in his younger years as a pope and as an archbishop. And it was really a a phenomenal experience. And there was also, uh, I believe it was uh, the first one with Pope 
I'm sorry, no, it was in Toronto uh, about a decade later. So those have been the two that have been, and then, of course, Panama um, some years after that. But uh, those were kind of the two main North American uh, yeah. experiences of World Youth Day. The uh, thought on that was, like, I think somebody figured this out, that in the history of humanity, Pope John Paul II, he's the single person who had, had personally encountered the most people Yep, in no the history one has of the seen, world. Yep, no one has been seen world. in person by more people in the world history of the world. And it's interesting, a lot of historians believe that this person in second place might be Bob Hope. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. he did all those tours. The right, military. right. Yeah. But, you know, all the different people and, and just the enormous crowd. Okay, so not, not yeah. to embarrass you, whoever, okay. because it's a compliment. But uh, so. That I, at World Youth Day, I think was the first time I met you because you you were also there. I don't know as a, a chaplain with chaplain the Seminary, kind of thing. You you had responsibilities, and I did. And we there's a couple of the events where we cross over, and I remember right. at one point we we're together, and you were behind me introduced. But you you inspired me because you had uh, you had this ability to impersonate Pope John Paul II. <laughs> And and you and you did it, and it floored me. I just like I was so in awe. I was just like, oh my gosh! It sounds just like anyway. And it was it was wonderful. I think I'm guilty of forcing you to say, Father Gross, Father Gross, do the impersonation. Do the, every time I see you, but I and I apologize well, in advance. But it, well, I tell you, it was. It was actually inspiring. I mean, I, I can't explain why, but I just like every time you do it, it would just fill me with well, joy. One of my, so. one, one of my favorite uh, um, occasions of that was toward the end of one of his homilies or addresses. He said, I have spoken much, too much. And the crowd is, no, no, no. And then he, with a glint in his eye, but you are many. You are many. And I thank you. <laughs> so that was the reason why he had to say so much, because there were so many people there. <laughs> my, 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 favorite, your, my favorite one is when you impersonate him when he's speaking and the, and the, and the speakers echo oh, his echo. echo. <laughs> of Denver, Denver, Denver. <laughs> Throughout the air, and and just one one other quick little thought about this, you know, the 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 pilgrimage walk from downtown Denver out to the state park there, you know, it's kind of funny how you always think something is more severe than it really was. I remember years later, kind of going on a map and mapping it out. It's like, no, it had to be like twice as long as it says. It okay, is. well, here I'll explain to you why it seems so long. Like if it was just you and I who were doing it, it'd be no problem. Yeah. The thing is, though, we were in charge of all these young people. We told them. You need to drink water. Keep your shirts on. Your high altitude. And and the problem Pace was yourself. Stay. So together. they were handing out water, but it was the fizzy water. Mm-hmm. And none of our kids, our kids would not drink the fizzy water. Yeah. Yeah. And so by the time we arrived, they had their t-shirts off. They were sunburned. They were dehydrated, and right. they were dropping like flies. And, yeah. And so for us, we Next like I, I highs, low humidity, high altitude. I mean, I walked yeah, that thing like twelve times, going back and forth. All my kids <laughs> getting them there. Right, so yeah. Right. So uh, back to the matter at hand here. Uh, straight talk on Real Presence Live eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is that number. We do have a question that was submitted here. Um. Is uh, there a book of the Bible that you find underrated, and if so, why? Um, one of my favorite examples of this would be the the book of Esther in the Old Testament. I really love that story and um, how Mordecai says to his niece, 
you know, um, uh, if God wants to rescue us, he'll find a way to do it. But don't assume that just because you're in the, the, um, the, the court and the household of the king that God is going to, going to save you. And who knows, but for that such a time as this, you obtain the royal dignity. And that, the, you know, the, that wonderful passage of the messages, because she's wanting to be very noncommittal and say, you know, if the king doesn't summon you, you know, and you go in, you're going to die. And he hasn't summoned me for 30 days. And he's like, wait a minute, sister. <laughs> Get your act in gear. Well, yeah, because yeah. we're all going to die if not. Right, right, right. The, uh, the, the, the Jewish feast or holiday of Purim uh, commemorates the decision by the king of Persia, or at least by a henchman that was absentmindedly endorsed by the king of Persia, that on a certain day, by the drawing of lots, all of the Jewish Jewish people within that empire were to be exterminated. One of the most powerful things in that that whole book is her prayer. When she first she takes on penance, right? Mm-hmm. She and, and then she's down and, and asks it, all of her maidens to join her. Yeah, but but the words that she speaks to God from her heart on behalf of the people it's one of the most powerful intercessory prayers in all of sacred scripture right. and as you mentioned intercessory prayer in the last break i was thinking how appropriate from the gospel yesterday where in matthew chapter 18 the lord says amen i say to you if two of you agree on anything on earth about which you are to pray it shall be granted to you and we can become very cynical and say that that's not possible you know, it's like, why would he say something like that? Well, he doesn't renege. He doesn't take it back. Well, when because pe- people do say that, I always respond, well, how do you know? Have you tried it? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So did, did you have, a, did you have a, a particular example that came to your mind well, as you saw you that know, No, there's a number of them, but one, it's... Yeah, it's so hard to choose. No, no but part of it, I'd say, because I'm thinking of... so. I was tempted to say Job, but I'm going to leave that alone because it's so big. But one that comes yeah. is um, just the prophet Hosea, mm-hmm. and and on many levels, like the, the prophetic part of it, the the Christological part of it. But it's the for me, it's, it's the nuptial part. Yes, how 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 God uses the relationship between Hosea and his prostitute wife Gomer as to show the relationship of God and humanity, how we are the prostitute, who we constantly turn to idolatry and yeah. worshiping creature. But he, but he does it in such a, such a I don't know what, what it is. Every time I go to Hosea there, it's, it's such a comfort and encouragement. And again, I think it's similar to what we were talking about prison to praise, where he, he, takes, he takes the, the difficult or the horrible or the evil, and he turns it to good, and he shows the everlasting love of God, even when we're experiencing horror. God is still there, and he is still loving us and blessing us. Right. Well, we have a wonderful uh, treat here as we're about to uh, visit with somebody who is right uh, in the midst of the uh, sad uh, natural disaster that took place on the island of Maui, Uh, someone who will be familiar to a number of our listeners and viewers of EWTN, Bear Wozniak. Uh, Welcome. uh, Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Aloha. I really appreciated what Father was saying. Um, uh, about how the Lord can take what is bad and make it into the good, you know, and He turns all things into good for us. So here, yeah. here in Hawaii right now, we really need that kind of message. Well, we are grateful for your uh, joining us uh, at this early hour of the morning for you folks. It's probably right around sunrise or perhaps just beforehand. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a, a rundown of what unfolded and uh, where on the island it took place on that tragic day? 
Yeah, it's you know it was a result of the hurricane. Uh, the winds, we the hurricane didn't really hit us, but the winds uh, kicked up, and there's a there's like a channel between two high mountains that the wind kind of funneled through, and it kind of whipped up and kind of accelerated the speed. And the fires uh, started so fast, the uh, electric grid uh, exploded, and things like that. It traveled so fast, and the sirens never went off, and and people were in this just trapped there in Lahaina. You know, my, my dad was a Catholic deacon there at that Catholic church and uh, lived, they lived just a couple miles further along the coast, uh, a part that didn't get touched. But we have lots of uh, friends and families there. One of my friends, Archie Kalepa, is the head lifeguard there. And he wasn't on the island, which was kind of good when that happened because he was able to at least make phone calls and start getting help in from the outside. And now, his home has become just a place of uh, uh, people sending food and, you know, um, clothing and cards, you know, money cards. And one of the things that happened is as people were running, you know, here we wear flip-flops and the slippers, we call them, just melted off their feet. So wow. they need shoes. And so um, there's this big effort going on now among just the normal people. I was at the Waikiki Yacht Club last night and boats were heading out to take uh, take provisions to Maui, which is about a 70-mile, 80-mile run from here, and then bringing people back here to Oahu. Some are staying at the, the yacht club, some are staying at the convention center, but um, that that church, Maria Lanaquila Church, uh, Our Lady of Victory Church, where my dad was a deacon, you probably have heard that it is standing, although everything around it burned. The church itself is standing, and uh, it's just more than just a symbol of hope. It actually is is hope itself. You what know, a miraculous thing. And yeah, unfortunately, there hasn't been a whole lot of coverage of that in the mainstream news media. But for those who are listening who hadn't heard about this, uh, you know, just do a quick search of that and, and how... Um, just uh, amazing that is those visuals of this apocalyptic scene and that uh, church building uh, remaining standing. So, so Bear, one of the one of the more tragic things that is happening right now, where and maybe you could help our listeners understand kind of what you're facing. But I mean, the reports I'm hearing is that they're they can't people are gone and they can't find them and they don't know if they were out at sea right. or maybe burnt. Can you right. kind of describe to us a little bit what what you're all facing there with that situation? Well, there's over a thousand people now still unaccounted for. Um, the My difficult goodness. thing is, you know, there's residents of Lahaina. It's one of those. It's one of our most precious little towns. It was a whaling village actually way back in the day. It has even a Victorian feeling to it, and uh, and so tourists love to come to that town. It has a beautiful view across the channel to Molokai, and uh, and so we wonder about tourists, uh, our visitors here to the island, as well as the residents there, and. So many of them, uh, there isn't a place to go, you know, and what we're worried about here is that when the rebuilding does take place, how many of these people will be permanently um, not be able to afford to even live in Hawaii anymore. And so we're very concerned that the rebuilding be done in a way that is respectful to them being able to afford to even buy their home, buy homes back where their, where their places were. So we're just, we're, uh, it, it's very, it's, it, my, my son works for FEMA. He's a project manager for FEMA. So when the city and county government have things to to take care of, like bridges and things like that, that's where he gets involved. And I asked him, "So what's going on?" And he said, "Dad, we, I can hardly, I can't tell you anything more than what you're reading on the news. It's that kind of chaotic over there right now." 
Wow. But what we're seeing is people, people, individuals are are rising up and helping each other, and it's it's just uh, it's just beautiful to see that. Now, there are a lot of, um, throughout the country, there are various locale, local outreaches of uh, dioceses, Catholic charities, various groups like that. And, and yeah. I understand that the Diocese of Honolulu is also mobilizing to uh, provide uh, support uh, to the survivors and, and recovery efforts. Uh, what, uh, what, what, what do you know about that as, as an option for, for helping, uh, helping out well, folks there? Well, we love Bishop Larry Silva. Uh, I think what we're, what I'm recommending people do is they go to Catholic Charities, uh, I believe it's CatholicCharitiesHawaii.org, if okay. they want to be able to help, you know, financially. You know, right now, people don't even have, they don't have a cell phone, they don't have their wallets, they don't have anything that happens so fast. You know, as you know, people are running into the ocean, and so they need, they need cash assistance, they need uh, clothing, they need... Um, food, they need everything, and so the Catholic Charities is, is a place that we can trust that when the money goes there, it'll be It'll go yeah, a, and a unfortunately, there there's a report out this morning about there's a number of nefarious scammers, scammers who have set up and all that to con people. So right, yeah, we'd really course. encourage our listeners if you if the Lord is leading you to be generous and help out here to you know truly take advantage of trusted to sources. vet it properly. Yes, yes, yes indeed. Now another and, thing and, that that I've been told here is that as this uh, seaside community, you know, you don't really have um, a lot of uh, freeways and things, and and so yeah. once people got the notice and how quickly the fire spread that we have to get uh, you know down slope or try to s- escape uh, before they knew it uh, streets were getting clogged with traffic and and things right. you know became a standstill so you know i think right. there may be a lot of people who are wondering well why didn't they just you know hop in their vehicle and drive this way or that well it wasn't really that simple with that location right Especially with children and elderly people that's an older community because people were jumping into the ocean and at one point, uh, a, a rescue boat came by. I don't know who who, who was in the rescue boat. And they said, okay, we're going to start bringing you out two at a time. <clears throat> and then the, the people down below along that along the dock were saying, well, there's over 100 of us here. So taking two out every 15 minutes isn't going to do it. And, uh, and so, uh, but the people of Hawaii, you know, the word aloha means to give breath. And... Uh, and the people of Hawaii, that means love. And so the people of Hawaii are such a unique community of, of love. I mean, I can't walk down the street in Hawaii. Yesterday morning, within the first half hour of my walking down the street, having a cup of coffee here in Waikiki, three different guys said, I love you there. You know, that, that's really unusual for men to, to say to another man, I love you. There's a real aloha here in Hawaii. And so people are going to rally and take care of each other and you know what that the the, 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 um, the church is our lady the church the, the thing that people could do the most is to rally to marry and pray the rosary it's such powerful 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 um, I don't want to say weapon but it's just a powerful prayer and I remember when I rode with Archbishop Wensky down in Key West and we went into the, the Basilica of Mary there and had mass. He said, you know, the, the lady, Our Lady promised us that there would never be another hurricane hit right here in Key West as long as people prayed and were devoted. And three weeks later, that Hurricane Irma hit there, and he wrote to me, and he said, 
that not even the candles blew out that were in the outside grotto of that church dedicated wow. to Mary. So mm-hmm. pray mm-hmm. and ask Our Lady to intercede for us. Now, that's what people can do more than anything, is pray. Prayer is so powerful. It's not, it's not accidental that it, the name is Our Lady of Victory, of the Amen. church that survived. Amen. Yes. Yep. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise mm-hmm. God. Well, we are very grateful to hear that uh, that, that that you are are okay, and um, you know we're just trying to wrap our minds around a town the size of Lahaina that uh, you know had all that uh, you know this wildfire uh, sweeping through it, and and what uh, what they are facing in the days ahead. But uh, thank you very much, Bear, for uh, taking this time to um, uh, to visit with us and to give us some perspective on uh on uh, what happened there in maui and and how we can help out and uh stay safe okay and we love you guys we'll, we'll be coming out my wife and i uh over the next year uh, coming to a lot of your gala your gala so we're looking forward to seeing everybody out there in the midwest fantastic we sure look forward to it and uh okay mahalo take take care okay aloha wow Bear Wozniak uh, giving us a kind of a, a direct report, and they say that it's very difficult for media, it, as one might expect. They're really trying to regulate who comes into that area, so it's not like you have a lot of people embedded, you know, coming straight through there and 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 giving uh, accounts. But somebody who has that background, and we who are landlocked land lovers, you know, it's hard to understand how that works with the, the island and transportation and mm-hmm. in and out and supply chain and, and the whole bit. Yeah, so. yeah. The way I've heard it described is just to the, because Lahaina is one of these towns on the west coast of this large island of Maui and just to the east of them as you go up into the mountains, mountains. you have an agricult- a historically agricultural area, but there's a lot of old vegetation. And what happened on that day when the fire broke out is that there was a fire that that started earlier in the day that they were able to get mostly contained, but there were embers that remained and that were stoked up by the increasing winds and uh, late in the afternoon their time and just kind of swept down with, a, unfortunately, a perfect storm of the orientation of the town as compared to the, you know, the direction of the topography and the, the speed and direction of the wind. And, um, yeah, within uh, 45 minutes from that, new conflagration you know it it had completely spread so we'll definitely keep them uh those folks in our prayers and especially the the very difficult work of trying to recover evidence of those who have not yet been um uh who have who have not been located and sadly the uh the death toll will likely uh, continue to climb in terms of the official numbers we did receive a prayer request that i want to reflect here toward the end of our time um uh, the caller says that his brother will be expecting his first child soon Please say a quick prayer for Matt, Amber, and their baby. So absolutely, and it's not just coming from Father Leffer and me, from but from all of us uh, of goodwill who are listening, who are joining with you in prayer. This is a great reminder that we also invite you to leave prayer requests on our website, realpresenceradio.com, and to join in uh, uniting those in our prayers as well. So Should we pray Hail Mary for, for the, the safe baby and also for the uh, victims in hawaii yes hail mary full Full of grace the lord Lord is with thee blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, one hour is already in the can, and when we come back, we're going to be visiting with a, a religious sister who will encourage us in embracing the Eucharistic revival. That discussion and more on the way when we come back. You're listening to Real Presence Live.